This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. This morning we're going to do things a little bit different. Um, we're going to talk about marriage and um, I thought it wise to bring my best part here. Um, because it, it mostly works because of her. Um, so we're going to share around marriage and um, especially some thoughts around marriage. But most importantly, not just our thoughts, but really what God says about marriage. And today, specifically around this concept of the condition of our hearts. What does God say about marriage and the condition of our hearts in marriage? And, and so we want to start off by just sharing some thoughts and the word of God around this. But let us just pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and the privilege we have to come into your presence. Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you and allow you to speak to us your ways. Lord, teach us your ways that we may know you, that we may follow you, and that we may reap the life that you have for us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we need to start off when we talk about marriage, what is marriage? And, and more specifically, what is God's definition of marriage? It's very interesting. Marriage is something that God intended right from the beginning of creation. God intended man and woman to come together in a covenant to become one for a purpose. And it's very interesting, if we read in Mark chapter 10, Jesus was asked a trick question by a Pharisee. Um, and the Pharisees came up in order to test him, asking him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And then Jesus answered them, he said, it's because of the hardness of your heart that you wrote this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. You see, what is interesting to note is that from the beginning, God intended a marriage to be a covenant between a man and a woman that they become one flesh. A relationship that expresses love, love to be given and love to be shared within a confound of a covenant that is meant to be forever. And also in this relationship, this covenant relationship, it is in this context that God expects, desires us to fulfill his command. When he created man, male and female, he created them in the image and likeness of God. And then he said, I want you to become one and multiply. I want you to go and multiply this image and likeness and fill the earth. Procreate and fulfill my desire to fill the earth with the likeness and the image of me. And so man was created male and female in the likeness and image of God. And God 
powerfully brought Eve to Adam. And said, I want you to be one and multiply. And so we read in Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. For did he not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed of your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. We saw it so powerfully this morning as a couple brought before the Lord an offspring. And therefore, God's desire is that that child may grow up in an environment, a covenant called marriage. And the New Living Translation puts it so powerfully. It says, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. So marriage is not just for humanity. It's not just for us. It has a purpose beyond itself, a purpose to fulfill the will of God. And therefore, we need to guard our hearts, that it not grow hard. And so I'm going to hand over to my wife as she continues to share with us. Um, so we're obviously talking this today about marriage, but it actually relates to most of the relationships in our lives. So you can think of your relationships to your older children or to your friends. So try to just kind of extrapolate a bit on that. Um, there's a lady in church who knows Andres and I very well. Um, she's been in our church here in Hermana since the beginning. And she was a bit surprised when, I, when she realized that sometimes we also argue. Um, so I hope you're not surprised that you, we are two imperfect people living together. And obviously, um, we do also um, have difficult times in our relationships. And a while ago, um, I just became very irritated with Andres all the time. I didn't like the decisions that he made, and I was just annoyed. Um, and I went to God, and he actually showed me that my heart has become hard. And I was able to just take that to God and he really changed my heart. And I want to share out of that today. Um, what does a hard heart look like? And um, what we want to do is we want to share that in the context of God's purpose for marriage. And what is so interesting, if you see in, in Ephesians chapter 5, we see that marriage is meant to be a reflection of our relationship with God. Marriage is not primarily a, a relationship between me and my wife. It is primarily a reflection of a bigger relationship, a greater relationship that expresses itself in the way we love each other. And so we read in Ephesians chapter 5, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see, so marriage is meant to be an expression, an extension of a greater relationship with God. The way we love him and the way he loves us is meant to be expressed in and through marriage. 
Therefore, we read in Ephesians 5, the roles of the husband and the wife. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their own husbands. And husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her. You see, so that again points to the fact that marriage is meant to be a reflection of a greater relationship. Our relationship with God. And it is in this covenant relationship that reflects God's love. That our children are meant to grow up. So that they may know and experience the love of God. Not only our children, but also the world around us. Because marriage is meant to be a witness, a witness of God's love towards us and through us for our children, but also to this world. Therefore, Satan hates marriage and is hell-bent to destroy everything that reflects the image and likeness of God and his order. And therefore, we need to guard against the schemes and the plans of the devil and to do everything to withstand him. And not to let our hearts grow hard. So what does a hard heart look like? It could be that you're impatient and irritable. Or that you get angry easily. That you could become critical of the other person. As I said earlier, all of us have strengths and weaknesses. So I heard on a radio um, the other day. They said if people are contemplating divorce. They've stopped looking at the strengths of the other person. And have only started focusing on their weaknesses and you hear that when you also chat to people who are going through that kind of time um, having a negative focus on on the other person could be because of pride in your heart so if you it's almost like you think you're more perfect and you want that person to be perfect so because you kind of elevate yourself in pride you're actually looking down on that person and you're actually seeing everything that's wrong with them and you want to change them but it could be because of pride. Um, a hard heart also looks like um, being rude to another person, being mean or not showing kindness to your spouse. Spouse, It's like always bringing up the oquia. So when you're in an argument, you always bring up, but you, you did that. And that previous argument, you know, you did, you did that. Instead of actually forgiving the person and then it's over, you don't bring up things from the past. It's not trusting the other person or not hoping for a great marriage. So we should actually, as Christians, have hope for our marriages that in five and ten years' time, it's actually going to be greater than it is today. But if you're starting to lose hope for your marriage, that could be a reflection of your heart becoming hard. So we do marriage prep with people before they get married. We spend about eight weeks um, seeing them. And our purpose for marriage prep is really just to stimulate questions. So we give them, we talk about in-laws, we talk about money, we talk about the role of the husband and wife. Um, and we don't actually want them to answer us, to give us answers, but we want to stimulate conversation between the couple. So that by the time they're married, they've got a game plan and they know what God's design for marriage is. So it makes it a lot easier when they get married. Um, but recently um, we were seeing a couple and I asked the lady, so why do you want to marry him? And she said, because I love him. And I've been thinking to myself, we talked about what does 
um, what does a hard hard look like, but what does love look like? Um, because love is not just a feeling, it actually looks like something. If we go to 1 Corinthians 13, it, what I earlier described when I listed to you all the things that look like a hard heart, I was actually giving you the opposite of 1 Corinthians 13, which explains what love is. If we read that, that in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, um, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So if we look at those, because if we have a long list like this, we struggle to actually really think about each one. But if we just take a little bit of time, let's just compare um, a hard heart versus love. Because the antidote, the way you're going to get away from hardness of heart, and remember, your heart doesn't go hard overnight. You don't either have a soft heart or a hard heart. It's just little bits of hardness creeps in. And if you allow it to stay and grow, your heart will become hard over time. So let's try to just open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and just say, Lord, are there areas of this in my life, in my relationships, especially my relationship with my husband or wife? A hard heart is impatient and quick-tempered, whereas love is patient. A hardened heart is harsh or inconsiderate and unkind, whereas love is kind. It's jealous, whereas love does not envy. It is proud and self-seeking, whereas love does not boast. It is focusing on his or her faults um, and having a lot of grace for my own faults um, versus not being proud. Uh, love is not proud. It's dishonoring or disrespecting our, our spouse, but love does not dishonor. It is selfish, whereas love is not self-seeking. A hardened heart gets angry and irritable, whereas love is not easily angered. A hardened heart always brings up old issues, whereas love keeps no record of wrongs. A hardened heart exposes weaknesses and is critical, whereas love always protects. It's got a negative view of the future, whereas love always hopes. It mistrusts or doubts the other person's intentions, whereas love always trusts. And it, give, it gives up or looks for a way out, whereas love always perseveres. Now, when I was looking at this and specifically looking at 1 Corinthians 13 and the definitions of love, what I noticed there, it actually reminded me of Galatians, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which is the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the amazing thing about being married to a Christian or being a Christian when you are married is the Holy Spirit actually grows those things inside of us. So the Holy Spirit is the one who makes us increase in love, increase in joy, increase in kindness. So the amazing thing is when we submit to the Holy Spirit, He actually comes and shows us. He's the one who convicts us of areas in our heart which has grown hard, but He's also the one who, when we submit to Him, causes us to become more fruitful, more full of love, full of joy, full of kindness in our lives. Now, I listed a long list of things of what does love look like and how do we start changing from hardness of heart to actually loving. But if you remember only two things from today, I want you to remember 
patience and kindness. Um, patience stops whatever you, stops something escalating, stops a difficult situation escalating. And I want to read to you from the, the Love Day book. It says, patience responds in a positive way to a negative situation. It is slow to anger. It chooses to have a long fuse instead of a quick temper. Rather than being restless and demanding, help, love helps you to settle down and begin extending mercy to those around you. Patience brings internal calm during an external storm. Anger usually causes you to overreact and regret what you said or did. It generates additional problems, whereas patience stops the escalation. Choosing to control your emotions rather than allowing your emotions to control you. Patience gives your spouse permission to be human. So if we focus on patience, we're able to de-escalate. We're able to, when you're in an argument or when you're frustrated, you actually bring in God's peace into the situation and you de-escalate. Whereas kindness actually brings life into the relationships. Your spouse, when they married you, actually relied on you to carry on being kind to them for the rest of your life. A lot of people, a lot of times men would say to their husbands, oh, I married you, therefore I love you. That's not enough. We have to actually show love. We actually have to do love. And kindness helps you to do that. Kindness looks for opportunities to be nice. Kindness looks for opportunities to, um, to help. Um, kindness goes out of his way in the way we talk to each other. So if you only, all the other attributes of love are actually hangs on and patience and kindness. Now, the one thing that struck me when I was looking at just scriptures of hardness of heart in the Bible, the scary thing about having a hard heart, it does not only affect your relationships, but it actually affects your spiritual life. Um, after Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to many people, but the disciples heard the testimony, but they didn't actually believe it. And Jesus confronted them about this in Mark 16 verse 14. Um, it says, later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So Jesus actually recognized a hardness of heart. And, and for us, if we grow hard towards each other, because God says we have to love God and love people, but if we grow hard towards people, it will actually affect our relationship with God. So it's actually a serious matter. But the amazing thing about God is, Hardness of heart is dealt with very easily. We just come to God and we just um, recognize it. So as light, as you allow light to shine on your heart and you bring that before God, God is actually able to, to remove it. So it says in Ezekiel 36 verse 26, where is that? let's read it there. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So as we come before God this morning, just say, God, yes, in this area of my life, I need you to come and remove that stony heart, and he will give you a heart of flesh. So, if you realize your heart is growing hard, um, many times, like Lisa said, it, it doesn't um, happen overnight. It is an area in our lives, an area in our relationship, an area in our heart that we are close to the other or we decide to give less or hard ourselves in a particular area of our life that starts to grow and eventually it takes over every aspect of life. 
And that's where we see that many people divorce because of a hardness of heart towards one another. And so how do we deal with this realization of a hardness that is growing in us? Um, sometimes it's, it's something small that grows over time. And, and the question is always, how do we return to this first love that we had in the beginning when our hearts were soft to one another as if no harm was ever done? How do we get to that place? Well, the good news is every one of us can. And I want to share some of that thoughts. One of the amazing things about the Christian marriage is, is something that Werner shared a couple of times already, is that the marriage isn't the ultimate relationship in life. It isn't the ultimate expression of love. It's not always um, how the world sees it, but the reality is um, um, the ultimate expression of love, the ultimate relationship in life is actually with God. It's our relationship with God that has the most meaning and the most fulfillment in life. And marriage is actually a secondary relationship. My primary relationship is with God and my love for Him and His love for me that expresses itself in my love for my wife. And that's what Christian marriage is. It is a reflection of a primary relationship with God towards each other. That makes it so powerful. So um, often people say marriage is a relationship between two imperfect people, which is very true. Um, neither of us are perfect. But because it's not my primary relationship, it helps me to deal with my own imperfection. You see, because in my relationship with God, there are also two parties involved. But in my relationship with God, there is the perfect with the imperfect. The imperfect being myself and God being perfect. And the only reason that relationship with God survives and exists is because of God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness towards the imperfect, which is me. And so I'm in a relationship with a perfect, and my wife, God, created just a little lower than the angels. So she is almost perfect. <laughs> but because of my relationship with the perfect, and I am dependent on His mercy, His grace, and forgiveness... It enables me to deal with the other party of my marriage, which is also like myself, not perfect. And that gives me great um, empowerment through my relationship with God to deal with my relationship with my spouse. And because marriage is not the primary relationship in life, even when we are single, we can be fulfilled in this life relationally. Even if you are single, the person that will fulfill your life is God. It's not a spouse. And many people marry because they think, if only I marry, I will be happy. And then we enter into marriage with an expectation that an imperfect person will make us happy. And then we get disappointed. But if we have a relationship with God where we are fulfilled relationally and we marry, we become conduits of blessings and love, even though the other might not be perfect. And that's one of the powerful things about a Christian marriage. So as a Christian, even if I'm single, I can be fulfilled in life because God fulfills all my needs. 
And in marriage, when I have a need, a challenge, a conflict, or a hurt, I go to God. And I ask God for help, for healing, for comfort, for wisdom, for strength, acceptance, and love. And it's from this place of receiving from God what I need that I can love my spouse. In marriage, it is two imperfect parties, but in my relationship with God, it is the perfect with the imperfect. And like I shared, because I receive His mercy, grace, and forgiveness, often when I come to God and I complain to Him about my spouse and how I feel and how I am hurt, and it doesn't happen often because my wife is amazing. And I must say, over the years, um, Conflict, I want to say, is part of marriage. Look, if you go into marriage, conflict is a reality. Um, you're going to face conflict. You're going to face disappointment. Um, and often, not because of the other, but because of your own insecurities. Because of your own sensitivities. But what I've discovered in this relationship with God, because I'm exposed to the way He loves me, He empowers me to love my wife in the same way. And and one of the things that I've discovered most is when I come to God with what I feel is wrong or um, where I've been hurt in my relationship with him, he often, if not always, answers me this way. Um, my son, I want you to love her the way I love you. So when I come to God with my complaints and, and, and the injustice that I feel, God often says, but Love her the way I love you. And then I would say, but God, how often must I forgive her? Seven times? And then God will say, no, my son. Seven times 70. The way I forgive you. And I say, but God, this is not right. She's not perfect in this area. And she's wrong in that area. And then God would say, my son, she's just like you. Imperfect. So you must have grace like I have grace with you and so I realized that father I need to change to be able to forgive and to have grace the way you have towards me I need to change and then all of a sudden my prayer and and my request to God is not God please change my wife it is God please change me I need to change. Because in my relationship with you, you are perfect. And often we think we are. And then we marry and then we discover we are not. Um, but often we think we are right. But I am in a relationship with one who is always right. And I'm always imperfect. And yet he always forgives. He always have grace. And so he challenges me to love in the same way. And that's why... I often ask God to change me rather than the other. Even though my prayer might start with God, please change her. It ends off, Lord, please forgive me. For I need to change. Uh, you see, to counter hardness of heart is with forgiveness. Not of the other. But asking God for forgiveness for myself. Before it is towards the other. So I ask God to forgive me for allowing my heart to grow hard towards my wife. I ask God to forgive me for 
not forgiving her. I ask God to forgive me for making perhaps my primary expectation for fulfillment in life my wife and not him. I ask God to forgive me for not being merciful and gracious. And like Lisa so powerfully shared, kind and patient. So God, I ask that you would forgive me. And, and then it leads me to this place where I ask God to help me to change. Because I realize, God, I don't have the capacity to love, to forgive, and to be gracious the way you are. And, and so I ask you, God, to come and change me that I may love the way you expect me to do. Uh, to become the husband you desire me to be. A husband that, that loves his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So powerfully, how did Jesus do that? Well, he embraced the rejection, the slander. He carried our sin to the cross. And in the end, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So my prayer often changes from, Lord, change my wife, to Lord, change me. Help me to become the husband you want me to be. Help me to love the way you love. So, so the way we counter a hardness of heart is first with my relationship with God. That's how you counter hardness of heart. It's not the other one changing, it's me changing. It starts with my relationship with God, my intimacy with Him. And from that place, I ask God to help me to become more like Him. And then I need to forgive my spouse. I need to forgive her for the wrong that I perceive I have suffered just as I am forgiven by God. Every time I disappoint Him, every time I sin, I, I go to Him and He forgives me every time. And so the third thing that we need to do is to forgive. And then we need to have grace. Then we need to have grace towards our spouse. And we all know the definition of grace. It's called unmerited favor. We have grace with God, not because we are perfect. We have grace with God because He chooses to extend it to us, even though we are not perfect. And so we ask God that we may too have grace towards one another. And then lastly, the way we counter a hardness of heart is to love. Is to love again. As 1 Corinthians said, and Lisa shared with us, to love with patience and kindness. Just the way God loves us. And you know what's amazing? If two people have a relationship with God in such a way, marriage will never fail. If husband and wife have an intimate relationship with God in such a way where we ask Him to change us, before we ask him to change the other, marriage will never fail. It will only grow to become better and stronger. Why? Because God changes me and he changes her. And we have grace towards one another. And we forgive one another as we receive from him. That's why if you are single, 
God your Father that loves you so much, that wants the best for you, says, do not marry an unbeliever. Because an unbeliever do not have a relationship that will change him. An unbeliever will not be able to love you the way I desire you to be loved. Because without faith in me and love for me, you will never be able to be the husband, the wife I desire him or her to be. So if you're single, listen to your father, your God that loves you so much and do not marry an unbeliever. Marry somebody that has a living, passionate relationship with God. That will change him to become the husband you desire to have. And so marriage is an amazing adventure where, where we continue to grow and become more like him. Christian marriage is meant to be a witness. Because it's not just between me and Lisa. It's between me and God. In his presence. It is with God. A covenant relationship. And you know what? With God, nothing is impossible. And I want to encourage you, if you're in a relationship, a covenant with somebody that is not perfect, it's okay. God knows. He has that relationship with you. And the way He loves, forgives, and have grace towards you, if you ask Him, He will help you to have the same towards your spouse. And like the Word says... Your conduct towards your spouse can lead them closer to God. And so the cycle becomes a positive upward growth in relationship, not a downward spiral of a hardness of heart. And so I want to encourage all of us, with God nothing is impossible. And look, me and my wife, we are still together. And I am far from perfect. And if you want to know, you can ask her. But because we both love God, we grow together. And it's not because we are special or different. It's simply because we follow God. You know, there's one thing about God's ways and His truth. As challenging as it may seem at the beginning, if you follow Him, if you follow His ways, you will reap its benefit, which is life. Um, and you will change in the process. And that's why marriage is meant to be a witness. Not just for our children, but also for the world. That they can see what it means to follow God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can be here because of you. You first loved us. When we were still sinners and enemies, you gave your son so that we may have this relationship with you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for this relationship that is sustained not by our perfection, but by yours. Lord, I ask that you will help us to love each other in the same way. God, change me to become more like you in the way I love my wife those around me so that you may be glorified God I thank you for the words that you gave earlier that you said that if someone draws near to you you will draw near to them and that we can speak to dead bones 
and prophesy life over it. And that if we have endurance, you will give us joy. Earlier this morning in the first service, you said, you will not refuse the gentle and quiet spirit. You have our hand in yours. And it's not about being perfect, just available. Because the battle is yours. And so we come to you, God, and we ask you to come and work in us and through us. Yes, Father, this morning we just choose now, Lord, to, to just forgive our spouses, God. Father, we ask also, Lord, for forgiveness for having a hard heart, Lord. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will come and fill us. Even as we open our hearts now, God, that you take out the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, Lord. And Lord, that you fill us with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, Lord. And Father, we pray that that fruit will grow in each one of us, Lord, as we just open our hearts to you, Lord. Father, we pray that you'll soften our hearts. Lord, soften our words, Lord. Soften the way we look at each other, God. And Father, we pray that you'll pour your love in us so that we can love one another with your love, Lord. As you are seated, just with your eyes closed, if, if you are here with your spouse, why don't you just thank God for them? the one that He gave you. And pray a blessing over them. And if you here are single, ask God to come and show you more of His love, His mercy and His grace, and change you to become more like Him. Just where you are, just take a moment and just bless your spouse that are with you and, and ask God if you are single to come and continue to work in your life going to give you an opportunity right now. Just thank God for your spouse and pray a blessing over her and ask God to continually change us as we live for Him and through Him. In Jesus' name. Let's just do that.
I pray, Father, that as we are before you, that, Lord, that you will come by your Spirit and that you will soften every heart. Lord, that you will soften every heart to turn to you in humility and seek your face to be changed. God, we are not perfect. Only you are. And so, Lord, I ask that you will come and, and soften every heart, Lord, towards you and each other. Lord, I pray that as we grow in our relationship with you and, and we seek your face and, and ask you to change us, Lord, I pray that, that we will also have that same mind towards our spouses, our wives and our husbands. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will soften that what got heart over the years, that what got wounded, Lord, and the wounds that we carry and, and the regrets that we have. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you will just come and soften every aspect of our lives, Lord, and, and fill us again with your love, your peace, your gentleness, your kindness, your goodness, your self-control. Oh, Lord, I pray that you will overflow through us, that we may become conduits of your love. Lord, that we will attract not just our spouse, but the world around us in the way we love. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. May God bless you. Um, we have some coffee. Um, please uh, drink it. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.